The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is Degrees of His Presence. Please say that with me. Degrees of His Presence. Perhaps a little bit of an unusual title, but as we get going, you'll see where we are headed with this. And as a way of just setting the tone for the message this morning is that I trust that God is going to use this message to stir, listen to this, a longing for His presence. We've got to get the tone set right here, folks. We can't just jump into speaking about degrees of His presence, the presence of God. We firstly need to say that God is wanting to stir a longing for the presence of God. It's as though God is wanting to rekindle our longing for His presence. And I sense that actually, because of COVID and lockdown and the things that we faced in all of this, that many of us have actually drawn back from seeking after the presence of God. Come on, just be real with me for a little moment here. Many people have drawn back and it's like we've gone into survival mode. I don't know what it is, but those days are now over and we declare that we are getting refocused on the altogether lovely one. There may have been distractions like there was uh, with Martha and serving and many things, but we want to say now, all oh, those distractions, we're putting them aside and we are refocusing on the one thing that is most important it is the presence of the living God, which he loves to make real to his children. The psalmist says in 84, Psalm 84, verse 1 to 2, it says, how lovely is your tabernacle. That's another way of saying God's presence, O Lord of hosts. Now listen to the hunger. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And sometimes because of circumstances and things in our lives, we drift away from the heart crying out, from the flesh crying out for the living God. And when we come to times like that, it's just God's gracious hand directing us, wooing us by the Holy Spirit, say, come on, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep seeking after me as the main thing in your lives. But I see the psalmist with this longing within him for the courts of the Lord. And I believe that God is gonna use this time together today to stir and shift some things in your heart that that longing would come right up to the top and you begin to hunger and thirst for the courts of the Lord. There are six points that I'd like to share with you today. I believe that you'll find them interesting. Number one, God's omnipresence. Say this aloud with me, God's omnipresence. We're gonna look at different degrees or aspects or levels of his presence. This is one of them, God's omnipresence. Now, the word omnipresent, the prefix omni, it means all. So when we say that God is omnipresent, it means that he is present everywhere. 
It means that he is all present. He is present everywhere at the same time and at all times, that is our God. He is omnipresent even when we are not conscious of his presence. He is still there. <laughs> Just because we might not discern his presence does not make him any less present. He is omnipresent. Listen to this. No molecule or atomic particle is so small that God is not fully present to it. And no galaxy is so vast that God doesn't circumscribe it. There's an interesting verse in Psalm 33, verse 13 and 14, I'll read it to you. It says, the Lord looks from heaven, he sees, take note of the word sees, he sees the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks, take note of the word looks, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. So here it is. If God sees every person, it stands to reason that he is present to every person and for that matter, to every situation as well. Do you know that there is no place on the face of the earth or even if you were to go to the moon or Mars, whenever that's gonna happen for that colony being set up there. But there is no place, let's just focus on the earth for a moment, on the face of the earth where you can go to hide from the presence of God. You could decide, well, no, I think maybe there is. I'm gonna head in the, into the Sahara Desert and I'm gonna get lost and just try to run away in the Sahara Desert. By the way, please take water with you. It could be a trying time. And you can say, well, I'm gonna try to hide away from God's presence. It's impossible, you can't hide from his presence. You could say, well, I'm gonna go to the most remote island on the face of the earth. That is Tristan da Cunha, the most isolated island. It's in the South Atlantic Ocean. And you can say, well, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna just try hide away from God. It's impossible. You cannot hide from his presence. You can decide, well, I'm gonna cruise up to the Northern Arctic and I'm gonna go try find that pole that they talk about that's up there. There's no pole, folks. I'm gonna try to find that pole, and I'm gonna try to hide away from God's presence. Well, you cannot hide away from God's presence. What a God. He is our omnipresent God. Can we put our hands together for our omnipresent God? Wow. There is no place where you can go where you cannot find God's omnipresence. Listen to what David says. In Psalm 139, verse seven to 12, this is one that should be repeated in the NLT. David said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Listen to what David understood. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride in the wings in the morning, or if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. I can't get away from you, God. Verse 11, I could ask the darkness to hide me, and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, 
I cannot hide from you. What an incredible God we serve. God's omnipresence. Number two, God's corporate presence. Say this out loud with me. God's corporate presence. I wonder what comes to mind when you think of God's corporate presence. Matthew 18, verse 20, says the following. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is the corporate presence of God. The Passion Translation puts it this way. For wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I love that, I am right there with them. Beautiful. And so this tells us that whenever God's people come together, even if there's just a few of them, God makes himself present in their midst. This is what scripture tells us. And this should be an encouragement to us to realize how he does this and how he presences himself. It's so wonderful that God does this. And this shows us that God is not a distant or impersonal God. No, he is a relational God. He is a personal God. And he loves to presence himself with his people. In our time together today, he's been loving presencing himself with you as the people of God today. Now let me tell you, when your life group gathers, let's say you've got 10 or 12 people in the life group, and you gather together and you have a, you're having a good time together, you gathered in the name of Jesus, I wanna tell you that God is present right there because you gathered in his name. You might have suddenly a bumper evening. Yeah, everybody comes out the woodwork and now there's not 10 or 12. Now there's 20 or 22, 23 people rock up and you say, honey, get more coffee cups out. Hey, boys, bring out some more chairs. Get the kitchen chairs and everything. You've got like a bumper evening in life group tonight. God's presence is there. You gathered in his name. But on those nights when nobody else comes and it's just you and your wife, <laughs> God is still present right there. You gathered in his midst. Hallelujah. It also applies to when a church gathers maybe two or three hundred people, maybe two or three thousand people, or however many God is present. And so the principle can be applied to all meetings where believers gather with Jesus as the focal point, he is there. Now, still under this point of God's corporate presence, besides for two or more coming together and God says, I'm there, there's also the aspect in Psalm 22, verse 3. And it says, but you are holy who inhabit. Please say the word inhabit. A little bit louder. But you are holy who inhabit the praises of Israel. This verse, I would recommend you try to read it in the King James Version. It renders it the best. The other translations have created like a little bit of a different feel around the text there. And I love the hardcore, unlettered King James Version on this one, okay? And so it talks about the word inhabit, and it says that God inhabits the praises of Israel. Now, the Hebrew word translated inhabit is yalshob. Can you say yalshob? 
That sounds like an interesting word. Yashop means to sit down, to dwell, to settle. God inhabits the praises of his people. He sits down in the praises. It's almost like he sits enthroned on the praises. He sits down. He settles. He takes up residence in the praises of his people. And that's the amazing thing that God starts to do as the people of God praise him. It's the corporate presence of God. And it's as though God is so blessed when from a sincere heart, we really begin to lift up praise that God decides, okay, I'm taking up residence right there and I'm placing myself, inhabiting the praises of my people. In her book, Extravagant Worship by Darlene Jeck, Darlene Jeck, sure, amazingly used of God in the past 25 years or what, she writes the following. It's amazing to think that God, in all his fullness, inhabits and dwells in our praises of him. Our praise is irresistible to God. As soon as he hears us call upon his name, he is ready to answer. That is the God we serve. Every time we begin to praise God, his presence comes in like a flood. Even though we live in God's presence, his love is lavished on us in a miraculous way when we praise him. This is the corporate presence of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three, God's indwelling presence. Please say that with me. God's indwelling presence. Please take up your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter one, verse 26 to 27. There are two verses that I will take you through uh, to in our sharing today. Colossians 1, 26 to 27. Now, this, the indwelling presence of God, this is an amazing aspect of his presence. But you gotta get a load of this verse. It says, verse 26, the mystery. So firstly, there's this mystery. There's the secret. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. Verse 27 of Colossians 1. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. I wanna tell you, if you were to lock yourself in your room for 30 minutes and just begin to meditate on that, <laughs> I believe that God would open up your understanding and that faith would come by hearing the word. This, folks, is a massively powerful thing that God is revealing. What is the mystery? That Christ would actually live on the inside of us. Wow! That is blow your mind stuff, people. The mystery that God would actually put himself inside of us. Who would have ever thought that that would be possible? But God had it in mind all along. No one knew his amazing plan. The Bible says that it was hidden for centuries and for generations, but now it has been fully revealed. And I think God is just so amazing. 
Sometimes we just need to, you know, open up our mouths and suntan our palates because God is just such an amazing God. Come on. He's an amazing God. And you think that all along this was his plan. Can you see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit talking together? And they say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take of ourselves and we will place it into the blood-washed believers and they will become temples of the Holy Spirit and we will live inside of them. What a plan. I think sometimes of some of the movies that are out there and the weird and wonderful storylines that they come up with, but I wanna tell you, there is nothing like the story of Jesus Christ and his plan to live on the inside of us. Come on, give God a hand of praise for the greatest story ever told, that he would live on the inside of us. When does this, God, when does this happen? When does God enter? Well. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior is the very moment that he takes up residence inside of you. And it's God's indwelling presence that we see there. Now, I was just thinking about Brother Lawrence. Have any of you heard of the book, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence? Raise a hand. It's really, really a good one. So he was a simple man, lived several hundred years ago, he worked in a monastery, did menial tasks. He battled to walk, had a problem with his leg. He would work in the monastery kitchen. And, but this guy began to get a hold of God and understood, understood that you can practice the awareness of the presence of God. He dwells inside of you, but you become more aware of that reality, and that's transformatory. And so he began to be impacted, his life, by this. As a result, he began to write letters to friends about what he was experiencing in this walk of becoming aware of the indwelling presence of God. And those things were collected and put together in a book. And uh, it has blessed many people around the world. And so what happened, basically, he became aware of God inside. And maybe you need to, Become aware of this like never before. We need to have the same awareness of the reality that God lives on the inside of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's another verse which confirms God's indwelling presence. It's 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Can you just make this personal for your own life, stop thinking about the other people around about you, think about yourself, that you're a temple, the Bible says, and the Spirit of God lives within you, so where is God? He is within you, he has taken up residence within you, and I think what an awesome privilege to have the living God living on the inside of us, and I wanna say, this is real, folks. This is God's presence, and we need more of the reality of God's presence in his life. And by the way, because God is holy, and he lives on the inside of you, therefore you and I should be holy and live sanctified unto the Lord. Can I remind you that you are not your own? You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your lives, in your spirit, in your attitude, because you belong to Jesus. 
Come on, bump the person next to you and say amen. Come on, bump them. Say amen. Owen, can I get an amen from you there? Awesome, fantastic. Praise God. Point number four, God's manifest presence. Please say this with me. God's manifest presence. Now, this is interesting. It's actually not that difficult to understand. God's manifest presence is when his presence is made manifest. That's higher grade. <laughs> God's manifest presence is when his presence is made manifest. In other words, his presence becomes evident. It becomes apparent to us, and this is where we truly experience the living God. You've maybe heard people make this phrase, and they say this, that they say, wow, did you experience God's presence was tangible today? They aren't actually saying that you could physically touch God's presence, but they're saying that it means that you could experience God's presence in such a real way, just in your heart and in your spirit, maybe in some of your even physical senses, you could begin, you could begin to sense God's presence. What is happening? He is manifesting the supernatural into the realm where we begin to experience it. He makes himself manifest to us. There are many occasions in our times of worship when God manifests his presence. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you can say, I just love those times, man. Come on, you just love those times. And this is where it moves beyond the corporate presence and it moves into the manifest presence of God. Those times are so exciting. And it's in those times where we experience the touch of God in an unusual way and in a special way. I wanna tell you, I live for those moments. I live to be in God's presence all the time, but those moments, man, oh man, I know what they do inside my heart, inside my spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, that's exactly what happened. The precious Holy Spirit was manifest on that day of Pentecost. And it says, and suddenly there came the sound of a, from heaven, that was a manifestation, a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushy wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, that's another manifestation, and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There were some physical things that happened, but besides for the physical things, I believe that the people could just see God is real and he is showing up in this upper room today. It's called the manifest presence from, of God. How many of you are hungry for the manifest presence of God? My hand is up. We are hungry. And what was the result of that day of Pentecost and God's presence being manifest? The result was the disciples were completely transformed and then they went out and they began to turn the world upside down. If you really meet with God, you change. If you really meet with God, there's more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you really meet with God, there's more of a desire for holiness. If, the, if you really meet with God, there's more of a desire to serve God and make yourself available to Him. Because when you encounter the presence of God, it has a transformational effect on our hearts and on our lives. Can I get an amen? amen? 
Come on, you're a little bit quiet. I want a louder amen. amen. Hallelujah. Here's a question. Should we seek after God's manifest presence? It's a question that just needs to be asked. My answer to that would be absolutely. And this is not about the fact that we now want to focus on feelings or we want to focus on seeking after signs in, in, a, in a wrongful way or in a sensual way. No, no, no. But I want to tell you that our expectation is to engage and encounter the living God. Because if God is powerful, and He is, and if God is awesome and His might and His dominion is never ending, we encounter God and we get changed as a result of that. And so we should desire the manifest presence of God. I'm thinking where believers come together week in, week out, and they don't hunger after the presence of God. I'm saying something is wrong. I don't understand it. But something is wrong because we should hunger after the presence of God. Because our expectation is to engage and encounter the living God, and he loves to manifest himself to us. Now, please just look at John 14, verse 21. Quickly in your Bible, turn there, John 14, 21. Uh, this is the only other verse that I'm taking you to today. And it's beautiful because it talks about God manifesting himself to us. John 14, 21, Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me, anyone love the Lord yet today? Yes, you do. He who loves me will be loved of my Father, and here it is. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Please say the word manifest. Say it again. It says, God says, I will love him and manifest myself to him. I'm just thinking, folks, this is such an incredible truth. And basically, God is just saying the following. Listen, you just set your heart after me. You just love me and you seek me. And then I take on the responsibility to manifest myself to you. I think some of us don't realize how deeply passionate is God is to manifest himself to us. Far more than you desire to come closer to God. He wants to manifest himself. I want to tell you, this is a promise, and we should expect the manifestation of God in our lives, in our daily walk with His indwelling presence, in our times coming together with the manifest presence of God. Now, you may ask this, why the need to experience God's manifest presence? Because it encourages our faith? It shows us that God is real and it demonstrates his power and we all need that. The world is crying out for the manifested God who is manifest in his power in the church and in the lives of believers. Come on, don't be quiet on me, amen? amen. Now listen to this statement. I came across this. I think this is a massively important statement. Listen, the whole point of God's manifest presence is that our awareness of him is awakened. Wow! That's something you might wanna put on social media. The whole point 
of God's manifest presence is that our awareness of Him is awakened. And I believe and declare, and I speak across all of you in the name of Jesus, that your awareness of the manifest presence of God will be awakened in this season ahead, in these days, weeks, and months ahead. And you can get a little bit more excited about that. Thank you, God, for awakening. Thank you for awakening us to your presence. Number five, God's glory presence. Say that with me. God's glory presence. We don't have time to go into much detail on this, but it must be mentioned. God's glory presence, what is it? God's glory presence is when God shows up in his grandeur, in his splendor, and in his magnificence. And usually when that happens, things come to a standstill because the glory of God is so overwhelming that you can't just carry on status quo because God's glory is being manifest. What happens in times like that? People begin to fall on their faces before the Lord. People suddenly just begin to spontaneously repent of things that they need to deal with. Everything is just laid bare before the Lord. There is also great wonder and great awe that comes into times of God's glory presence. And God is glorified. God will not share his glory with any man. When God's glory presence comes, don't think about you being a hot shot or you being somebody who's gonna get attention on that day. No, no, no. Get low, hit the ground, and let the glory of the Lord be made manifest in the house of God. And this is what happened when Solomon dedicated the temple, newly built temple. His dad had prepared many things, but there was bloodshed, and so Solomon had to take over, and he had to. Now, the temple was ready. They present in the temple, and now this is what happens. God's glory comes into the temple. It says, 2 Chronicles 5, 13 to 14, it says, the house of the Lord, this is the temple, was filled with a cloud, listen to this, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud of God's glory. It says, for the glory, everybody say glory. glory. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The Hebrew word which is translated glory is kabod. Say kabod. What does kabod mean? It means weighty splendor. It's the weighty presence of God. How many of you can say, I can honestly say, there's been times in my life where I have experienced the weighty glory of God. Many times it's been together with God's people in times of worship where now it moves into a deeper realm beyond the corporate presence, beyond the manifest presence, into God's glory presence. And there's like a weightiness of God's glory. It's not a bad weightiness. It's a glorious weightiness. It's one that you don't wanna stop and you just say, thank you, God. And you can't say much. Your eyes are just closed. Maybe there's tears but you know that the glory of the living God is being made manifest. Not only did God wanna do it back in the dedication of Solomon's temple, but he wants to do it now in this day and age and manifest his glory in his church. Amen. And we desire the weighty glory of God's presence. My last point, number six, hunger after the presence of God. Say this with me, hunger 
after the presence of God. Folks, we can talk about the presence of God until we are blue in the face, but if we don't cultivate a hunger for God, then we will never see the glory of God. There is a part that you have to play, and it's the part where you say, I choose to hunger. Like David said, I choose to thirst for the courts of the Lord. You know what? There is something new, just to share a little bit personally for a moment. There's something new in my life right now where I am just beginning to sense something of a fresh stirring around the presence of God. And in, in the past two or three months, there's been times in our Sunday services where there have been particular times of the presence of God where I felt, wow, this is unusual. This is more manifest than normal. This is more pronounced. And it got me thinking. And then I realized that actually, <laughs> there is this aspect of COVID and lockdown that has sadly caused many of us to draw back from pursuing the presence of God. It's perhaps because we fell into survival mode, but that was then and this is now, and I declare now is the time that we will seek God's presence in a greater way in this congregation and in this city in the name of Jesus. You can't stay stuck in survival mode, no. God's calling you back into his courts. God's calling you back to hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you hearing the call of God today, child of God? Are you hearing the call of God? Come back to hungering for my presence. Praise God. And I want to declare that Choose Life Church will seek God's presence. I want to end off with a verse of scripture. You don't need to turn there. It's Psalm 27, verse four and eight, but I'm gonna read it from the Amplified Classic and then I'm gonna finish after that. So I said to my mom, now my mom has been, by the way, she turned uh, 83 this week. Can we give her a hand? Uh, turned 83 on fire for God. So my mom has been a God chaser all of her life. She's been so after God from when I was a little chokerki. I just knew mom loved Jesus. She loved God's presence. And so I said, mom, there's a whole bunch of scriptures about God and his presence and so on. But which one would you recommend as the, the best one for hungering for the presence of God? She said, John, Psalm 27, verse four and eight from the Amplified Classic. Now, can I just read this to you as we draw into a close? But please let it sink in. As a belief. <laughs> David said, one thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence. Do you see David's longing? all the days of my life to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness and delightfulness of the Lord, to meditate and consider and inquire in his temple. Then verse eight, you have said, seek my face, inquire for, and listen to this, and require my presence as your vital need. 
And my heart says, your face, your presence, Lord, I will seek, inquire for, and require of necessity. Wow. Let the Holy Spirit just minister that. <coughs> Excuse me today. David was basically saying, he was basically saying that God's presence is the one thing that I desire. David was basically saying there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. David was basically saying that God's presence is my absolute necessity. And can you see the priority he placed on the presence of God? And I call out to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, let that same longing begin to generate in your heart. And I pray that by the Spirit of God, it gets stirred sovereignly by the Spirit of God that you would say, I require the presence of God as my absolute necessity. I can't go where your presence doesn't go, Lord. Like Moses said, I'm not gonna leave those people unless your presence what goes with, doesn't, uh, is, is with me. And so today we've been talking about degrees of his presence. Why don't you stand with me right now? We're gonna pray. Today we've been speaking about degrees of God's presence, and these are the things we touched on. God's omnipresence, God's corporate presence, God's indwelling presence, God's manifest presence, God's glory presence, and hungering after God's presence. Now I'm gonna